0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Give you this time, God, instruct us in righteousness. Father, help us to see truth in your word, God. Lead us, guide us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you uh, make yourself known to us and that we would have revelation of you. And Father, we give you the glory and give you the honor in Jesus' name, Amen. So once again, I want to, as we get started, very quickly, I want to uh, just go over the things we've learned. I'm not obviously not going to go into any detail, just you know, honorable mentions, just to kind of set the stage for where we're at. Because I really believe I'm, I'm one of these people that believe very strongly in that line upon line, precept upon precept. Brick after brick after brick, and we have to have a sure foundation, especially when we're talking about a subject like this, because so often things can be misunderstood, or they can be uh, misinterpreted, or things can go a little bit sideways, and I don't want that to happen. I want, I want to make sure that we're following the Word of God correctly. So uh, in the beginning, when we started three weeks ago, we said the essence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. That's what it's all about. Jesus said, wait or wait until you're endued with power from on high. In other words, the, bap, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was on its way, and then he tells us, he goes, he's going to baptize you, and he's going to fill you up, and you're going to be empowered to be my witnesses. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit really is the fulfillment of a promise that goes all the way back into the Old Testament, into the book of Joel, Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost and preaching, he says, This is that which Joel prophesied, that God would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. And that has been going on ever since. Uh, Number three is that we found out that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the baptism of the believer in the Holy Spirit, are two very different things. They have two very different functions. Obviously, it works with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work and involved in both of those, but they are two very different things. Uh, When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are spiritually immersed in the Holy Spirit, empowered for His purposes, and are given spiritual gifts to help us accomplish those purposes. Um, we found out that scripture and history and our own experience bears out that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in fact still for today. It hasn't passed away. And the pattern of scripture, the principle of first mention, and, the, and personal experience show us that the primary evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. However, we said we must never limit God or put Holy Spirit in a box Because sometimes we just don't know what he's going to do. Now we can see in scripture, we have the evidence of scripture, we have the pattern of scripture, we have the evidence of first mention. We also have uh, countless numbers of people that talk about their experiences, that tongues is the evidence of that baptism. But you know what, just about the time we think we got God figured out, he'll do something just a little bit different to make sure you know that there's a lot more to God than what you think. Amen. So tonight we're going to move on into the gifts of the Spirit, and we are going to see their purpose and how they work. It's kind of ironic, I think. And I was thinking about this, that even though that our doctrine is thoroughly, and our, back, our doctrinal background is thoroughly Pentecostal, I'm, I, it's kind of ironic how little we really understand about the subject of the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, the exception is there's probably a little bit more known about speaking in tongues because that is the most visible and vocal of all the gifts. And it's something that's talked about a lot. And even people that haven't had that experience, they know about it and they talk about it, whether they're for it or whether they're against it. But the reality is I'm amazed at how many people in the midst of what we call Pentecostal doctrine that have very little understanding of the depth and the working of these gifts, not only in our daily lives, but in the congregation, in the body of Christ. Most of the time when gifts are talked about, they're talked about in some sort of negative manner because oftentimes it's a relationship to abuse there you know people have uh, heard stories or they've heard you know wild and crazy things that have happened and and oftentimes they're spooked by that and it's like I don't want to get off into that crazy stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable and so a lot of times when when the gifts are talked about they're talked about from a negative point of view my hope is today that what we can do is shed enough light on it and show you from Scripture that we don't have to be spooked at all. In fact, this is a very healthy thing, and this is a very good thing, and this is, this is something that from a very good Father, that He's giving us something wonderful. Can you say amen? So I want to take a closer look at what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts, and what you're going to find out is that they are far more vital to our becoming all that God intended us to be. Spiritual gifts are necessary for our christian walk and our service in the kingdom spiritual gifts are necessary for our spirit our christian walk and our service in the kingdom there is nothing peripheral about this subject holy spirit is not the stepchild of the godhead <laughs> holy spirit is not crazy uncle so and so that comes only on thanksgiving Holy Spirit is, a, is the third member of the, of the Godhead. He's a very real part and a very necessary part. His giftings and that all that happened there are very real. And what we're going to find out tonight is there's a lot more going on in the gifting than just the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to see this. And, and before we really get into talking about a lot of this, once again, this is kind of putting the capstone on this foundation if you will, because as New Testament believers, we really need to understand the biblical basis for the Holy Spirit using us spiritually and supernaturally. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Because once again, like I say, we are supernatural beings. We we There's something about our lives that's it's not it's it's not just every day average. There's something of the divine that lives within us. Amen. We 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 really are the vessels, we are the temple, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. God takes up God doesn't dwell in temples made of men anymore, but He dwells in the hearts of men. And so there's something very supernatural about our Christian walk and there should be some corresponding evidence or corresponding uh, reality that we see in that it shouldn't be just normal life as it were just we just kind of going through life just getting by the best we can we have power, we have authority, we have the name of Jesus, we have the word of God. God has invested his authority in us. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we should be doing is making a difference in the world around us. Can you say amen? amen. Oftentimes you hear me say we shouldn't be thermo- uh, thermometers, we should be thermostats. Thermometers just react to their conditions. They just react to their surrounding. Thermostats, however, change the surroundings. We're called to go into all the world and change it. Amen. We we can make a difference. And you know, and, and let me just take this little bit of a bunny trail just real quick. We are living in a time right now that is a little bit uncertain. We're living in a time when when nobody knows really who what is true. What's truth anymore, far as a worldly standard. We know truth is Jesus. We know the Word of God is true. We know those things are true. But you can't even trust listening to the news a lot of times because we just don't know. Is it politically motivated? Is it, you know, for ratings? Is it what, what is, what's going on? Who, what faction is fighting against who and who's coming up with what to come against this one or that one and whose agenda is really being done? And in a society like that, oftentimes it gets very destabilizing and we should be the people that bring a stabilizing uh, dynamic to the world around us. To be able to, be able to stand and say, it's going to be okay. Amen. That we can get through this. We can pray. We can believe God. And God will move. And he'll touch our lives. And we need to operate in these gifts. Can you say amen? amen. And to really understand this concept, we have to go back for a moment and see that the church which is the body of Christ, it has many members, and all of them are ministering members. I want you to hear that. They're ministering. You are a ministering member. See, a lot of times in modern churches, they look at the pastoral staff or the pastoral uh, element in a church, and they say, well, that's our minister. Well, no, that's not true. That's not biblical, <laughs> and I'm going to show you that here in a minute. You are the ministers. Amen. We are all ministering members in the body of Christ. The Bible says this uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the goal of the church. The goal of the church is that each part, you are a part, every one of us are a part, has its own special work. And the purpose is to help the other parts grow. Your job is to help me grow. My job is to help you grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the purpose of the church. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 in the New American Standard. It says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every one of us have received a gift. We've all received a gift. And the instruction is that we are to employ it, we are to use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's pretty clear here that what causes growth in the individual and in the body is when each member functioning... In, the, in what God has gifted them for. See, growth comes, spiritual growth, maturity, numerical growth, financial growth, growth in every form, comes when you and I find our place, find that place that we are to fit and to function. What is the gift God's put in you? Where are you to fit? Where are you to function? And what are you to do? And I will tell you here tonight what I told the men in discipleship last Sunday. The Bible is clear. We are designed by God intentionally, deliberately, and you have been placed in this body at the pleasure of God. The Bible says God places in the body each member as it pleases him. And you have been given gifts for the ministry of the body. Therefore, you are here for a reason, you have something to do, and you are expected to do it. The problem has been, because of the abuses, because of the misunderstandings about spiritual gifts, people have come to have this negative view of spiritual gifts and have seen them as being more toys than tools. Amen they look at them either from a negative point of view, they'll look at them as a fad, or they look at them as kind of something weird and crazy, or if they get on the other side, they look at them as something that's supposed to just bless me, or somehow I'm, this identifies me, or, or somehow if I am used in a special way in a gift, that must mean I'm mature. Well, let me tell you something about the Corinthian church. They were not very mature. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I wanted to speak to you as spiritual, but I had to speak to you as carnal because you are carnal men. But this church is moving in the gifts. So if gifts were the measurement for maturity, then the Corinthian church should be mature. But they weren't because they were abusing it, they weren't using it in a way that was healthy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But in reality, these gifts, they're not toys, they're tools, and they are incredibly important to all that God's doing. Amen? So point one, I hope this isn't offensive, but point one is don't be ignorant. (laughs) That's not my words, those are God's words. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, 1, 1 through 6, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I don't want you to be ignorant. See, I didn't say it. Paul did. You know that you were Gentiles carried away, by, uh, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all and all. And the first thing that I want you to see in this portion of Scripture is Paul's statement concerning spiritual gifts. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And this statement is as relevant today as it, for us today as it was for them 2,000 years ago. And then in the next two verses, Paul explains why he did not want them ignorant. He says to them, you know that you were Gentiles, and this is a reference to them before salvation. You were carried away by dumb idols, however you were led, or whatever you did, and you were led by them. In other words, before salvation, you were led by a lying, deceiving spirit of darkness, but now... He's saying, you need instruction about how to live in the Holy Spirit. And I know for us, we're not dealing with necessarily idolatry like they did, but we are dealing with subtle deception of hell that is still at work leading people away from the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether it's full on adultery or adultery, full on idolatry where people are just bowing down to idols or whether it's some subtle form of deception that pulls us away the net effect is we're being pulled away from God and this is an important point because the Corinthians they misunderstood the manner in which the Holy Spirit works through individuals and therefore what happened is they often used the gifts or they abused the gifts in a manner that was not right. They operated in him like they had operated in pagan worship because they were accustomed to it. This is why he's saying, he's going, wait a second, you guys. I know that this is what you were when you were Gentiles and you were being led away by the idols. He says, but the Holy Spirit doesn't work this way. He's not like that. They operated like they were, they were operating in the Holy Spirit or trying to operate with the gift of the Holy Spirit like they did before. They misunderstood the power of the Holy Spirit and they viewed it as a compulsive possession, negating the will. It's important that we understand this. In other words, they viewed it as something they had no control over. I am certain you've been around long enough, you've heard people say, I just couldn't help it. It, over, it came on me and I couldn't control it. That ain't true. That is not true. Because what Paul is teaching them, he's saying the Holy Spirit isn't like that. In 1 Corinthians 14.32, he says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, that when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit or his giftings, we never lose the ability to stay in control. There is an absolute reality, and definite responsibility and accountability for every gift. I think these things have to be taught. We have to understand this before we even venture into the gifts. Because you need to understand that it needs to be done decently, the Bible says, and in order. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so that's not to say that God can't get us into a position that's very strange, but you'll know. People often say to me, they go, well, how do you know? You, it's, uh, the only way that I can explain this is I remember my dad and I, when I was a real little boy, I was probably about four or five years old, we went fishing together. <clears throat> and I threw my line in, and I got my little fishing pole, you know, my little Snoopy fishing pole. And every now and then I would feel something, and I would pull on that pole, reel that in, because I was going to be the great white fisherman bringing in, you know, big fish. Well, every time I would the hook would pull through the bait and my dad would have to rebait the hook. And finally my dad said to me, "John, leave the bait in the water." And I said and I'm just looking at him. He goes, "Wait until a fish gets on the hook." And I said, "How will I know when the fish is on the hook?" And he looked at me. And he goes, "I don't know, but it'll feel alive." And I rem- remembered that for 50 years. He goes, I don't know what it's, I don't know, but it feels alive. I don't know how to describe to you what the Holy Spirit feels like, but he feels alive. And he's real, and he's good, and he doesn't bring conflict, he doesn't bring condemnation, he brings peace, he, 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 he doesn't hurt, he helps, he loves, he doesn't embarrass, okay? And so, somewhere along the line, sometimes God will put us in situations where it's like, "Oh, that's odd," but God will never force you into a situation you don't want to go into. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, it's not this, so this idea that they had, because there are people today that have this idea that I'm just this was a compulsion. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop it. I had no control. That's not true. The Bible says very clearly. You have control, and you are accountable and responsible for it. They also did not understand the diversity of gifts and the need for varied and multiple manifestations of the Spirit. The Corinthians were infatuated with the verbal gifts, and they left very little room for anything else. And the reason I went here with this, the reason I decided to go down this road is because I'm seeing that same trend today. I am seeing that there's lots of people that they're all about the tongues, they're all about prophecy, they're all about these verbal gifts. But then in the other stuff, it's like, well, I don't know nothing about that. Well, there's nine, uh, there's nine gifts in the Spirit. And we need to pay attention to all of them. And we cannot segregate one over the other. And we need to allow God to be, a, to be, we need to allow the gospel to be a full gospel. Can you say amen? We need, to be, we need to have it all of the gospel, not just part of it. See, human nature tends to get hung up on one gift, and then we ride it into the ground. And Paul is contending here for diversity, for variety for an assortment of gifts, and you're going to see why here in just a minute. So he shows them there is a diversity of gifts for meeting every diversity of needs. All the diversity of needs. See, it's not one of the things that absolutely just bugs me about most of society is we've kind of moved into this thing of one size fits all. It's it's especially true in the legal system. You know, it's like this, you know, if if you do this, well, here's the point. But there are extenuating circumstances. There's mitigating and aggravating, and there's all kinds of things. And what happens is we get into a thing where we have to apply law, but in that particular case, there was reasons that either it needs to be more severe or it needs to be less severe. And so what happens is we get into a place where this one-size-fits-all, and sometimes in the church it gets that way. But the truth is, church, there's a lot of need. There's a lot of things that are going on in the church. And one size fits all is not going to work. How you deal with one person will not be how you deal with another. And we have to understand that. In fact, even in the Old Testament, God was always changing the way people entered and exited situations. Whether it was the temple, or whether it was a battle, or whether it was some other thing. I want you to go this way this time. I want you to enter the east gate, and I want you to leave by the west gate. Because God didn't want it to get down to a pattern or a formula. There's variety. Are you understanding that? And so, amazingly, even in the church where there is sometimes this unbalanced abuse going on, Paul still challenges us to seek after the best best gifts, and he wants us to have this variety and he isn't going to shut it down just because there's abuse i've repeated this several times what harry has said the antidote for abuse is instruction in proper use and so rather than shutting this down we need to see what is the proper function so In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, this is probably the section of the Bible that speaks the most about spiritual gifts, and it provides us the clearest view. In chapter 12, it gives us a description of spiritual gifts. In chapter 13, it it expresses the climate in which the gifts are to be lived out, which is love. The gifts are to function in the climate of love. And in chapter 14, it tells us how the gifts are to operate in the life of the believer and in the church now in studying spiritual gifts it's very interesting that there seems to be distinctive gifts for each member of the godhead this is something i want you to see i want you to see how big this really is now There's no way that in this little Bible study that we're doing, we're going to be able to cover all of this. Our focus is going to be on the the spiritual gifts. But I want to make mention of this because I believe it's important that we see how big this really is. So if you look at our text in verses 4 through 6, it says, "...there are a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all." Now, there is a, a thought or a, a, a premise that the, the, there is a division here, and there's something that's being broke up and divided and categorized. My tendency is to look at it this way. Yours may not be, but this is mine. Now, notice the diversity of gifts, but same spirit, talking Holy Spirit. Differences of ministry but the same lord which would be jesus and diversity of activities but the same god which would be the father and it's been suggested that there are father gifts son gifts and holy spirit gifts and all of these gifts are primarily found in romans first corinthians ephesians and in first peter and in these four books there's a total of 37 different spiritual gifts are you hearing what i'm saying Now, once you connect with this truth, it helps us a great deal in clarifying what the gifts are for and how we can apply them or appropriate them for our lives. So let's take a moment and look at this just a little bit deeper. So the word for gifts in the Greek is the word charismata. It is derived from the same root word word as the Greek word for grace. Therefore, they are literally known as grace gifts. They are literally divine ability given out of God's goodwill to make effective ministry possible. That's what is happening. Does that make sense to you? And so in Romans chapter 12, verses three through five, it says this, Paul writing, he says, "'For I say, through the grace given to me "'to everyone who is among you, "'not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, "'but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one "'the measure of faith.'" For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. This is written just before Paul gives a list of spiritual gifts. And his expectation was that we would all understand our place, our gift, and our function. And in verse 6 he says... Now, going back to verse 6 of 1 Corinthians of our text, he says, and there are diversities of activities. Now, I'm going to kind of go in reverse order here. So in verse 6, he says, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. This is the Father's activities, or this Greek word is ener- energema, energemata, literally means operation. These gifts of the Father seem to characterize... What our basic motivation or the inherent tendency that characterizes each person's behavior or how we react. It describes the unique you that God has made. I believe every one of us have a particular design about our lives that predisposes or predispositions us for a particular ministry. Okay? So there are some people, for example, that are evangelistic. They can't think about anything but going out on the street and winning souls. In fact, they think going to church is a waste of time. Why are you in the church? There's the world's dying. All you people are saved. Why are you in here? You all ought to be out there winning souls. Then there are those of us that are pastoral that it's like no you know what we got to do is we got to we got to teach people and cause them to grow and we need to disciple them and get them going you know we need once they get saved they got to they got to grow what happens if we if all we do is load our boat up with fish what's going to happen and the reality is is god made a team god designed us for different functions some people are given to counsel they're just very good at counseling they they listen well they can listen. They have the patience to listen to other people. And, it's, and there seems to be inherent nature about them that works in a certain way. There are some people that you better not have them counsel anything. Because they're probably going to do more harm than good. You know, to give you an example, Pastor Pennington and I were very, very different people when it came to Counseling. In fact, we often joked, Howard and I often joked, that he was kind of the rough carpenter and I was the finished carpenter. If you know anything about building, a rough car- carpenter throws up the walls. It's quick, it's fast, they go up. In a week's time, a whole house can be framed out. I was the finished carpenter. I'm the guy that's coming in. I'm measuring for detail. You know, we've got to have this right on. You know, a quarter of an inch is way too much. We can't snug that molding up a quarter inch. we got to be down to a 32nd of an inch. And maybe a little bit of caulk can help us out there. you know. And so Howard's idea counts like marriage counseling. Howard's idea of marriage counseling is the husband and wife would come in and he'd go, you need to grow up and you need to shut up. Solve problem solved. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> and, and people would be shell-shocked. They're going, you know, and with me... And, and and pastor pastor Alex has asked me and he's like why do you cuz i've counseled people for over a year before straight every week it's like why well cuz that's just I, that's part of my gifting that's part of who i am and so i'm very patient i'm methodical i work through stuff i listen we we it sometimes takes 3 4 weeks to even get to the point where we can talk honestly where they trust me enough to open up but what we're talking about in that is we're talking about the differences of gifting, because it's the Father's gift, it's the motivation or it's the inherent tendency, it's the nature, it's the unique you. In Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The Father has placed, the Father has placed gifts in our lives beforehand. These are gifts that were given to you upon your creation. They were put in you in the beginning, and they were released in you for his purpose. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy is. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This verse is describing the gifts of the Father. And the gifts of the Father, the nature or the motivations, are prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving leadership and showing mercy and all of a sudden when you look at have you ever met people that are very giving people it's like i mean they're giving everything away why are you doing that or people that walk into a situation and they are like natural born leaders they just seem to step in they start delegating and everybody starts following it's like, how, how do you do that? Or, or somebody that, you know, my dad, my dad was a teacher. I honestly believe my dad had that father gift of teacher. Because my, if you ask my dad a question, like if you said to my dad, what time is it? He's going to describe to you and teach you how the watch works. So I don't care how the watch works. I just want to know what time it is. Well, what kind of clock is it? What difference does it make? What time is it? Well, is it a digital clock? Is it, is it an atomic clock? Is it, is it a wind-up clock? What kind of clock is it? Well, I don't know. He goes, well, that's going to tell us what time because they're going to be different t-. And he's always wanting to teach. That was his motivation. He loved that. That was a part of who he was. And so I believe those motivations are put into us long before uh, uh, we're born. They're part of our creation. And they, they literally are the processes of, of our life that initiate, guide, and maintain our behavior. Does that make sense? Amen? Okay. In verse 5, it says, There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, the gifts of the Son... These are refer- this is referring to the gifts of Jesus, and e- they are gifts for equipping for ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, and he himself, this is a reference to Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These are also called the office gifts. And the word ministry here is the word diakonia, which literally means service, ministry, administration, or office of authority. Okay, And these gifts of the Son are equipping us for the work of the ministry, for our office, for the office. It means to completely furnish, equip, recover, restore, and renew people so that they can become what God wants them to be. And this equipping... is is, and releasing is what builds the church look at this he says he gave himself gave some to apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers what for the equipping of the saints for what the work of the ministry so i have the office of pastor so If you were to look at me and go back to the Father gifts, I probably relate to the Father gifts in the sense of exhortation, showing mercy, and teaching. Those those are what really kind of speak to my life. Then I have the office of pastor. All of a sudden, I'm starting to see something about my life, aren't aren't I? All of a sudden, I'm seeing, wait a second, you were created for a purpose. The Father is saying by this who I am am and he is he's helping me to see what my motivation is and then jesus comes and he gives me the ministry that goes hand in hand with that does that make sense he gives me that ministry he gives me that expression as it were now it goes on and it says in verse four there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit and these are the gifts. this is what's referred to as the spirit, Holy Spirit, or baptism gifts, and it's found in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse eight through 10. It says, "For one for, for one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit." To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. And these gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the specific purpose of of profiting the body of Christ. It's building the body of Christ. They are enabling gifts that bring us into the full functionality of, as a believer, and they are available to every believer as the Holy Spirit distributes them. And they are to be welcomed, they are to be expected, they are to be desired. But those gifts are also for us to go into all the world empowered to be his witness. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Thanks. So it's interesting to me to note that these nine gifts come in groups of three. There's the revelation gifts, there's the gifts of power, and there's the vocal gifts. So the revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The the gifts of power are faith, healings, and working of miracles. And the vocal gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And all of these gifts are meant to be ministered. They're meant to be used, not collected. In other words, they are not meant to bring some form of identity to me. They're God's gifts. They're to empower me. I am a child of God. That's my identity. My identity does not change based on the gift I have. And one gift is no more important than another gift. In fact, the gift that's most important is the one that's needed at the moment. Sometimes we want see human beings do all kinds of things. We, we like putting uh, uh, importance on things and hierarchies and, and who's more important and all of that. None of that matters to God. This is all about finding a place in the body. All about having a motivation or a nature to function all about working in a ministry and all about being gifted to do it. So the challenge for every believer is to grow in the recognition of your own created purpose. And then through the ministry within the body of Christ, preaching and teaching ministry, that we are being equipped, we're being healed of brokenness, set in place, mended, cleansed, and set in order. And what we have to understand, church, that... see. Look, I, I believe, this is the thing that I believe, and, and I'm finishing up because we're, we're at the end of the notes, so I'm not going to go much longer. But I believe God can use anybody. If God can use a donkey, he can use you, he can use me. Okay. But somewhere along the line, we have to understand that there is Order. There's things that are decent, done in order. And there, there's a lot of times when we come into church, we come in and we have a lot of baggage. We, ha- we carry with us a lot of wounds and, and we carry with us a lot of hurts and dysfunctions and all kinds of things. And we have to learn to work through those. We have to bring healing to that. So part of our job as, as, as a believer, is when we come into the body to allow the body to bring healing and comfort and exhortation and training and encouragement and all of those things into our life to where now we can actually function without those things in our life tripping us up. That's the hardest thing that people are confronted with. They do one of two things. Either they completely eliminate themselves and say, I, in no way can I do anything. Or they completely ignore everything and want to do everything they want to do right now. It's like, I don't, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. And so we have a responsibility to grow and to mature, to grow in this stuff. Now, I know tonight that this was probably a little bit... Um, I don't know, boring. <laughs> but the point is that what we have to do is we have to understand this because there's a lot more here at work other than just having an encounter with God. I love encounters with God. Don't mis- me, mis- misunderstand me. I, I want Jesus to show up. I want him to knock me out. I want him to knock me six sides of Sunday. I don't care. I want him to do things with me. I want to feel his presence, all of that. But, He's not doing that just so that I can have an experience. He's doing that so I can be healed. He's doing that so I can be empowered, so that I can be gifted, so that I can have an encounter with him, knowing him better, so then I can minister to the body and minister to the greater world. So that's, that's what I've got to understand. And I have a place. You have a place. Every person in this, in this room has a place in the body, and we all have a gifting, and we, we all have to find out what that is. And so what we're going to do next week is we're going to start looking at, and we'll take some time, next week we're going to look at the vocal gifts. We're going to look at tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And so if you want a little bit of homework and you want to maybe kind of brush up, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The whole thing. Just read it. Because that's what we're going to look at next week. We're going to study that because there's a lot in that. It tells us, chapter 14 tells us how the vocal gifts work individually in our private lives. It tells us how they work in our corporate lives and what they look like. And oftentimes that's very different. And we need to know that. Can you say amen? I'm just going to talk about what prophecy is. And remember, there is very big differences between the office of prophet one who prophesies and one who has the motivation of the prophetic very different things and so i'll get we're going to do questions just a second and so we have to pay attention to that does that make sense okay you have a question does jason have the microphone yes kelly wait wait till he gets the mic to you a number of years ago, we did a uh, study on the Holy Spirit and you had a test that showed where our strengths were within the gifting. And I was just hoping that we get to do that again because yeah. maybe somebody knew or hasn't experienced what they think their gifting is. It surprises you, but then sometimes it doesn't. It's like, yeah, yeah. I feel really led to do those kind of things. Yeah, so what, what Kelly was asking about was uh, years ago, well, not years ago, but probably Yeah, it was probably eight years ago, nine years ago now. So years ago, uh, I did a class and I had a test that would, you would go through this test and, and it helped you to identify all of these spiritual gifts in you. And so if you would like, what we can do is I can bring that, I could get that out and I can give it to you next week. And what I think I would do is the way we would do it is I would just give you it, explain how to do the test. Explain how to do the test and how you do the, the answer key, and then you can look at what you're leaning to and what your gift set or, or what God's doing in you, what, what works in your life. And then that would give you a little clearer understanding. And you can do that at home, because uh, I don't know that we would be able, just because of the inconvenience of the room, and it takes a little bit of time. It probably takes 30 minutes or or so to go through it. And so, but I think that would be fun. I think that it would be interesting. And then maybe we can have some uh, people uh, just share a little bit at the end of one of the classes uh, where, what the answers were and what came up. And if it was accurate, if the, if you resonate with it, if you go, yeah, I, it came up and like there's, <laughs> I saw a test years ago. and I don't know if I should say this. I'm, I'm thinking maybe the Holy Spirit's checking me right now, but. Years ago God, God I, re- I repent in advance. Years ago, there was a test that had celibacy on it as a gift, and I just crossed it out. as there's no way. I'm not even answering the question. So I'll let you just deal with that as far as you want. Any other questions? Anybody have a question? Comment. True confession. Yes, sir. Larry. Just a question, will these gifts change over time? They can you know uh, I think as we grow, um, i've seen in my life as 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 my life has progressed, especially like when big events like you know so from from the time when I was my role here in the church was an associate pastor, and then when I became senior pastor uh, there was there was a change of gifting. and and things that that accompanied that. And so I think it can change because of maturity. I think, and and this is all based on experience. So it can change as we mature and grow. And sometimes really the change is really not so much that anything's changing, it's just we're becoming maybe more aware of of what was already there. Um, But then definitely as circumstances change uh, in our lives, then those giftings can change. And also you have to, and I'll, I'll say this and in, in answer to the question, there's two theories, two very large theories. One theory is every person has a gift set. Okay, so in other words, you have this design. And another theory is uh, uh, we operate based on need. So, uh, so let's just narrow it down to the nine gifts. So uh, in this theory, it's you have a, a set of gifts that God has given you out of the nine. And so maybe you have three of them or two of them or four of them or whatever. In this theory, it's if there's healing needed, you'll have access to that gift. If there's miracles needed, you have access. Or if there's a word of knowledge, you'll have access. I, in my experience with my own life, I, I fall somewhere in the middle because I find both in me <clears throat> a, uh, a natural bend towards certain gifts. There are certain things that just seem to be there without what I would call any effort. Just they seem to be there. Uh, but yet at the same time, I've experienced moments where things that haven't been normal, but all of a sudden this is working, and it seemed like it was a gift for the moment. So I feel like it's yes and, and I think it can be both. And once again, I think that's one of those places where it gets really dangerous when we limit God. So sometimes people will go, "Well, it's all this or it's all that," and that's where change has to come in. I like being flexible. I like saying, "God, you could do whatever you want with me," and and if you want to give me a gift set, I'm good with it. If you want to give me the thing I need at the moment, I'm good with it. I just want to be available to you. So, anybody else? Question. I can probably Google this, but I want to know your take on it. Can you explain the gift of prophecy and or prophesy? Yeah, well, this is we are going to talk about it um, next week. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible talks about prophecy as being, uh, we prophesy to encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. And so when we are operating in the gift of prophecy, now this is different than the office of prophet. So not everybody that operates in the gift of prophecy has the office of prophet. Okay, so when we are operating in the gift of prophecy, it is a word for the body or for others other than ourselves that is to be in the confines of encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. So comfort's very, obviously, it's very simple to understand somebody's struggling. We comfort people with a word. We come along and we speak a timely word of comfort. And so that word would come from God and we speak that. That's prophetic. Uh, Exhortation is a little bit harder to understand. I've always looked at exhortation as being kind of what a coach does. So here's a, a football player. He's having a bad day. He ain't doing so good. And the coach comes in and says, you know what, man? You can do it. Come on. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. You could do it. You're made for this. Let's go. And so it's a word of exhortation. It's a stronger level of encouragement. And then, of course, encouragement is, is what it says. We encourage somebody. We come and say, you know what? God has heard your prayer, and God's moving, and whatever that prophetic word would be but that but the reason that it's prophetic in nature is because that it's something that's being said sometimes without our knowledge in other words we don't have any knowledge of the other person's need for this word and or it's being said we don't have uh, knowledge of the detail and so we're speaking something that's beyond our ability to know Now, what I caution people on, and I'll basically repeat this again, is a lot of people like to get into prophecy because they like to insert themselves into the Old Testament prophet model. And so what they do is they want to prophesy doom and gloom. And so they want to get up and go, Thus saith God, if you don't get it right, I'm going to knock you out. And that's prophetic, and that's not not New Testament. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll tell everyone this, God right now is not our judge. There'll be a day when he's judged, but it is not right now. God is not judging the earth right now. He's not. God has sent his son for grace and mercy and salvation. This is the age of grace. God is pouring out grace. Now, do bad things happen? Yes, sowing and reaping works. You know, you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. Corruption. And God warned us of that. That's not God up in heaven pushing buttons, making things happen. That's God simply saying, this is how life works. You go up on the roof and jump off, you're going to hit the ground. Yeah. Not my fault, just the law at work. You sow, sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. And so a lot of times what happens is through the ministry and, and the, the gift, sometimes this is where the abuses come in. And so what people do is they want to level correction or they want to level condemnation, or they want to level judgment, or they want to level some sort of dark, you know, punishment. That's not how God works. In the Old Testament model, when God was doing that, He used prophets to speak, and they spoke the Word of God. There are prophets today that have the office of prophet, but it is my belief that the ones that are genuine, they have a couple things going for them. One, they have years of Christian experience and maturity. And then probably more particularly and more um, critically, they have a really, really good accountability system. So in other words, when they get a word from God that may be something, and this is talking about the office of prophet, something that would be more along the lines of of harsh or, or... or uh, punitive or whatever, correction or whatever, they run it by people and say, do I have the mind of God? And those people will then judge that word and say, yes, we, our spirit bears witness that you have the mind of God, or no, that's really, really bad pizza, and you probably ought to stop eating that. Yeah. And so th- those are the kind of things I think we should, we should have. And so and we're going to talk more about that next week when we talk about the vocal gifts. So. Anybody else? One last question. Going once. Going twice. Sold. All right. Well let's uh let's close in a word of prayer and I'm gonna let you guys get out of here, okay? Father, we thank you for this time that we've had and God, we just glorify you and we 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 thank you, God, for all that you're doing, and we thank you for this word and Lord the challenge of this word and and Lord, we ask that you help us to, to uh, apply this to our lives and to understand it. Give us revelation. And Lord, we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.